Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this edition of the Skyhook Podcast. I just wanted to give you a quick note at the top of the show. We recorded this episode two days ago, which means we didn't get to touch on the latest news around Isabel Harrison, who just had surgery on her meniscus and will be out indefinitely. The, the Sky did not provide any other updates outside of that. Um, appreciate any Costable for following up with the team after... It was just tough to, to really get an answer about where the team was at before that news was announced. So we didn't get to touch on that as much. And the addition of Sika Kone, who we're going to get into a little bit later in this this season of the Skyhook. I mean, we're going to be talking about what she means to this team in a later episode, probably in the one coming up this upcoming weekend So or this upcoming week. So I just edited it this show today and everything else is really fresh. I mean, we talk about the WNBA at large and our awards picks, and it was a really fun discussion. And I guess I just wanted to also talk about Toronto real fast because I didn't get a chance to record an episode just given I had four stories I had to file. And I promised you all, I would talk a little bit about it. It was such an incredible experience. I, have found it a little bit difficult to talk about the Chicago sky over the last five, six weeks, just because I am kind of preparing for this to be my last season covering the team full-time as a full-time beat reporter. And it's just been a little bit of a tough pill to swallow given how much I love covering this team and was really hoping that the opportunities covering the WNBA that I thought would exist at this point when I was looking at covering this team full-time in 2019, um, they just haven't been there. And it's just a really tough pill to swallow, but it's just been really tough writing about this team because of how much I love covering it. And I love interacting with all of you and giving you the coverage. I know you all deserve of your favorite team. Um, and I'm not going to lie, I mean, um, you know, Canada, just being able to be there for that moment, um, that historic moment, the WNBA's first game on Canadian soil, just seeing the passion that Canadian fans had, I mean, um, it really rejuvenated my spirits. I'm getting a little emotional right now. Um, you know, it's just amazing to see how how much passion the WNBA has generated from its fan base over the last five years. It just it wasn't always like this. And it was incredible to see how Canada really showed up for this event. And I was a little bit skeptical that it would that passion would be there for this event in Canada because we were in the middle of the NHL playoffs. The Toronto Maple Leafs were playing that weekend. And look, hockey is always going to be the number one sport in Canada, whether, you know, Toronto wants to say it's a basketball town or not. I mean, it's a hockey town. I think it can be both, obviously. But to see people showing up hours before the game, just wanting a taste of what the WNBA is like, to see it live in person, I should say. It was just so amazing to see the flocks of fans showing up and really putting all of their support behind this because 
you know, this is a litmus test for Toronto, right? I mean, one fan told me this would be Canada's team, not just Toronto's team. If Toronto got a WNBA team and the way to show that is to have everybody again, fill up the stadium, which I believe had over 19,900 fans. I mean, it was loud. It felt like the 2021 finals. And again, I was, I, I turned from being a skeptic of can this work in Toronto, given even with international travel, which also that is not a concern I have anymore, but it turned in from like, can this actually work in Toronto to, Oh no, this city it's ready for a WNBA team. And it was really cool to see all of you from Chicago or Michigan or from Toronto. There's a sky fan that I met who lives in Toronto. That's been waiting to watch her team for over a decade. It look, Toronto is just ready for a WNBA team. And it's just pretty incredible to see how everyone showed up. And now I know that there's going to be all these expansion, potential expansion cities that are looking around being like, okay, if the WNBA comes here for an exhibition game to see how that is comparable to what Toronto did, I know they're going to have to step it up now because Toronto is ready. They keep telling, I mean, I, I talked with so many fans and they were just like, we've been waiting for this ever since the Toronto Raptors won in 2019 on the NBA side. This has become a rabid fan base. And I know that basketball culture also existed beforehand. I mean, again, I'm not Toronto fans. I'm not trying to disrespect you at all. But when I do think of Canada, I do think of hockey. And no, man, Toronto's ready for a WNBA team. It was so special to be a part of that. And I don't take it for granted at all. So, yeah, um, you know, we got... I got one more year left on this. I believe, you know, I'm run out, I've run out of money and I just appreciate all of you and for you to have um, some patience as, you know, me and Chris kind of navigate certain things as we get a little bit older and the reality sets in that, you know, this might not be something that I do full time. I really, I, I know Chris has all the talent in the world to be able to do it full time. Um, and I would love that he's doing the CHGO now and hope that gets him an opportunity that he's been working really hard for. Um, yeah, I just, I appreciate all of you. Um, and I'm just, I'm looking forward to covering this team for this upcoming season. Cause I just, it's been really cool building a little community here with all of you. And I just, I appreciate you greatly. So, um, yeah, this, uh, I'm just going to get into this conversation with Chris. Again, we didn't talk about, um, what Isabel Harrison's absence from this team is going to mean, but we will touch on that a little bit later. And I hope you, Enjoy the rest of the episode. Welcome back, people of Earth. What's up, Skytown? This is the world-famous, most dangerous podcast in the city, the <laughs> Skyhook Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Sky and WNBA at large. I am here with the founder, the originator, often imitated, never duplicated, not single, is not available, not on any of your dating apps, <laughs> out of his inboxes, James K, and I'm Chris Pennant. Regular dude off the street. 
James, it's been a bit, man. It's been a bit, you know. Um, been trying to figure some things out. You know, both of us kind of been really busy with our personal lives, figuring a few things out. But you know what? You, you're not a, just a regular dude off the street, man. You are CHGO host Chris Pennant. I mean, that honestly, I'm just so freaking happy for you, my man. I mean, I've been... Oh, just to see how hard you've worked to get to that spot too. I've been just so happy for you. And I know there were some people that had questions about whether we would be doing the show now that you've taken on that position, but we definitely are. And just again, can't, could not be happier for Chris, but Christopher, we have two days before the sky season opener recording this in the middle of the day on Wednesday. I mean, Oh my God, we're here. How are you feeling about the Chicago sky team, man? I mean, this is crazy. About the sky in general, you know, it's funny. You mentioned CHGO, and thank you for that. Thank you to everybody who uh, sent messages of welcome and congratulations. Uh, thank you to everybody who did send messages like, is the skyhook going to be around? Are we still doing the skyhook? They can't stop us. Of course we're doing the skyhook. <laughs> sky, the skyhook will be going until the heat death of the universe or, or uh, the point where James just becomes too famous to do it anymore. Uh, Don't hold your breath It's funny. That. I was on CHGO with Steven Garner, who you will see a lot of this season on CHGO. And he really got me hype about this guy. And it was, it was so funny because the things that we talked about over the winter, the uncertainty of how things were, how players would fit together, uh, my, uh, my just hesitancy about Corby Williams style play in general, really had me, I, I still think, and I still think after some time away, that they could finish anywhere from like fourth or fifth to 10th, just mm -hmm. because there's, there's a lot of things that I think moving parts have to be put in the right place and the chemistry has to be locked in. If not from day one, from like by the beginning of June, I think like latest the second week because this guy can't afford to start put, by putting themselves in a hole. But Steven, the way that he talked about the leadership qualities that are present on the team, which is true. You have Kalia Copper, you have a player like Elizabeth Williams, um, Izzy Harrison, and even Courtney Williams is was a driving force. I think all of those players are driving forces. He called them dogs, and I like that. Um, I like that terminology. And with the coach you have who has a similar mentality, he was not as worried about the chemistry because players who have won a championship and players who are really hungry to win a championship are present. So I, you know, I'm still thinking that they could be 18 and 18 when I woke up this morning and I was, I was in the shower because you have shower thoughts, water, water running, you know, that's what happens. <laughs> I, I'm looking at them to finish four over 500. I, I think that's well within their range. They could, you know, they could even be like 24 and and 12, but I, it's, it's hard to see. It's really hard for me right now to see the Sky team being in that upper echelon, like one, two, or three, or, or four. So yeah, I think they finished with at least 20 wins. Uh, let's say, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be conservative. Not that kind of conservative, but conservative in this. At least 18 wins. They'll be at least 500, um, and they could go four or five over that. They could go four or five under that. But I'm pretty much that they're going to be a middle of the pack team because when I was going over my tiers, it was really hard to see anybody other than Seattle 
that's just going to have a lot of difficult times this year. I think even Indiana's going to be better, but we'll get into that later. Yeah. Oh man, I think I'm with you on where this, this team is at. Like, I don't think they're in that first tier of WNBA teams. I mean, we've been talking about it for months. Like, it's and it's interesting to see how people hopped on the Mystics train recently too. But like, the three teams at the top are Washington, Las Vegas, and New York. And I think this guy are. I'm. I, I don't know if I'm as. I, I, I part of me thinks that Connecticut actually might be better than what I thought that they were going to be. In February, I'm starting to warm up to them as being like my number four team for sure. But at the same time, yeah, I, th- I could see this guy finishing between four and ten. I mean, even Seattle, like I look at a team like Seattle, who I do think is a bottom feeder this year. This is so weird to say, but right, that's still a talented team. Like Jordan Hurston could come out of nowhere and win Rookie of the Year. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, so when I look at the sky, though, I mean, yeah, man, I mean, Courtney Williams is already looking like she's proven me wrong. Like I, I w- brought up questions about whether she would be someone that would be effective next to Kalia Copper. And just from what I've seen on the floor, I mean, it's, she seems like someone that, that they're really going to need to depend on this year, both as a communicator defensively and someone that can just give them that spark on the other end of the floor. So yeah, man, I mean, I think Steven's right when he says that this is a pack of dogs that's just ready to feast on everybody because, man, this guy heard what you all had to say about them, man, on media. Like, on media day, they made sure, like, to make sure that everyone knew that they heard, the power, like, what everyone had to say about them in the power rankings. And I think Marina Mabry even said, like, they don't know basketball. And, I mean, they're taking it personally. And that definitely stems from James Wade's mentality. So, yeah, man, I do. I think they're probably like, in terms of how I'm feeling about them right now. I think they're going to surprise some people, but I'm also not going to be surprised if they also end up closer to the bottom of the standings than, you know, at the top of the standings. I mean, it's just that deep of a league. Yeah, I I wanted to see how the meshing goes. Uh, you know, we're here in this position. So people ask for predictions. They want us to make predictions, whether it's for bulletin board material or the teams that read their press whether it's for the people who just want a, you know, want things in ordered list categorized (laughs) or for people who just want like, you know, betting help. I I don't know, but it, I like going into seasons, especially for this, even for this, as I've been in in, uh, a media position, not wanting to predict as much because the teams that we've talked about all winter long as being at the top of the standings, these so-called super teams, Somebody, a key piece could get injured. Something could just, you know, not work out for the beginning of the season. You know, something could happen. There's always pretty much, you have to have luck in some way, shape, or form to win a championship regardless of the sport. There have been very few teams who were assembled at the beginning of the year who just absolutely blew everybody away and either made it to the finals or won the title um, in any sport. So, like, New York, Las Vegas, we still have to see it happen. Las Vegas especially, they're still running on a pretty thin roster. Like, they're going to have to figure out how many players can play 30-plus minutes a night reliably because they I don't did know that about that. Year. I they don't know about that. They did it last year, but now they've got Candace Parker. You know, that's a different – you had Candace Parker, you had Alicia Clark – you have some of these other people. I mean, like, I don't think Sidney Colson's going to be playing that many minutes, but I mean, they brought in Kayla George on a protected contract. I mean, 
I do think Las Vegas has definitely more depth than it did last year. They're going that they can turn to in the playoffs. And again, even, even bringing back Kia Stokes now that she's no longer the five that they're just going to throw in the corner and have her chuck up threes potentially like now she can just come off the bench and just be a defensive minded center and not have to worry about again, being like the fifth member of that star studded lineup. And I think the, the bring in Candace Parker, again, I don't even think that she's going to be averaging over 30 minutes per game. Honestly, I think, I mean, if you saw what she said on Draymond Green's podcast about how the reason I wanted to go to Vegas is because I didn't want to do everything all the time. That makes sense at her at the stage that she's at in her career as a 37-year-old. So I actually think Vegas, they're in a way better position than they were last year from a depth standpoint. And that it's actually going to help them to the point where when we see Asia Wilson starting to get tired towards the end of the finals like we did last year, that might not actually be a situation that we end up seeing. And again, I'm not penciling in the the or writing in like in ink that the aces are going to the finals, but I'm just saying like that fatigue factor actually worries me much less than it did last year. I'll buy that. You know, I was just looking at, cause I, I wanted to write down the, the, just the rosters as they are now. Yeah. I still think that there's going to be a point, not, not in a, in a Thibodeau-esque way, but Becky Hammond's going to <laughs> lean on certain players. Yeah. And you've got Jackie Young, who's young. You've got Kelsey Plum, who's still young. Um, and you have rookies on the bench. Just personally, I just personally really want to see Kirsten Bell get some tick this year. I don't know if she will. I just want to see it. And you have Asia Wilson, who's still young. But at a certain point, you play basketball for so much all year round. We didn't see it last year, but I think there's going to see it. We're going to see some of it this year. There's two extra games on the schedule. They're probably going to be in the, in the play for the Commissioner's Cup again. That's going to be a lot of basketball on Vegas's leg. So that's what, just my larger point. You yeah. can't put those super teams in as finals contenders off the bat. But yeah. as, it, as it goes with the sky, I want to see what it looks like these first four games. They've got two on the road. They've got two at home. They're playing Minnesota, who's going to be much better. And that's always like the first measuring stick for me. How do they play the links? So I, there's part of me, I'm going to say, you know, 18, 18 or 20 and 16, but I want to see what it looks like first. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with Chicago, too. That's where I'm at with the entire second tier of the WNBA. I just want to see them against teams that are going at full force, like, we didn't see that much from the Minnesota Lynx the other day in Toronto, which, I mean, my God, great experience and everything, but it was just like Nafisa Collier wasn't playing, right? Like Isabel Harrison and Elizabeth Williams were both not suited up for that game. So, yeah, man, there's, there's a lot of people that, I think the people that have steadfast opinions about where the WNBA is at like right now are the, probably the opinions I'm not, really listening to as much or like really taking I'm not heeding those as much just because I I do think this is such a wide open league and that's what makes like again I didn't feel like that last year where now man it's gonna be a dog fight <laughs> that's the theme of today's show I guess um dog. So, yeah a lot has to, the sky have some things to figure out too I mean Marina Mabry just practiced for the first time today so I mean, so then two days from now, they're going to have to figure out how that's all going to work and kind of learn on the fly, which 
I feel like most teams are kind of in that situation right now. I mean, Dallas just lost Diamond to Shields for most of the season. I mean, you know, it's just, it's tough. I know, breaks my heart. 2019 Diamond will always be one of my favorite players to have watched. But, you know, with Chicago's case, though, I mean, I don't know if I have predictions about where they're going to finish from like a record standpoint, though. Like, it's a 40-game season. I do think they probably finish above 500. I just, I couldn't pinpoint an actual number for the record. Um, you said you had tiers of of teams in the WNBA. I mean, where do, I mean, is there like that second tier for you? I'm assuming it involves the sky. Do you have Washington with the Aces and Liberty right now, or do you also have them in the second tier? No, I, I couldn't quite put them up there because when you have Elena Della Dunback, I think the popular choice is to say that you're a title contender, which makes sense. She's Elena Della Dunn. She's Elena fucking Della Dunn. They also added Brittany Slice, which is a great fucking pickup. You've got second year Shakira Austin, Maisha Hines Allen, hopefully going to be more productive after dealing with that knee injury last year. Still have Tiana Hawkins. And you've added a, just like a really good um, teammate in Amanda Zowie B, who can also shoot from outside a bit rebound and play some defense but i don't quite have them up there on the same level as new york and las vegas just because it's not the same assortment of talent now that doesn't mean it's the same assortment of of productivity of a quality basketball team because the question for especially for new york is how do you distribute the ball as evenly either as evenly as possible or throughout the season, so people get the requisite amount of touches? How do you figure out who's closing out games? I think that's a question for New York. For Washington, that qu- those questions are a lot more simple. Um, and we've seen Eric Tebow put in work to make even like mid-tier teams, teams that you wouldn't want to play on any given night. I just still don't have Washington up in that same tier with those other two teams. Definitely makes sense, man. I mean... I, there's been a lot about Christy Tolliver returning and it's like, well, she hasn't played that much over the last like few years at this point. And I am kind of curious if like if that's someone that they're going to be relying on a lot, if that is something that could potentially stop them from again, being in the same tier that I have the aces and Liberty in, but they do have more questions than the Liberty and aces. I also just think Elena Deladon just changes their entire offense. And if we look back at their numbers when she was on the floor last year versus when she was on, like when she was off the floor, I mean, it's pretty staggering how much better the offense was. And I do think they got a little bit better on offense, but yeah. Is there any team that you think is going to surprise other teams or other, and what just the entire WNBA from the fan base to the media, who do you think is going to be like the biggest surprise? Uh, Atlanta's probably at the top of that list, just in the in that you don't necessarily want to play this team on any given night. Uh, they're probably, if, if anybody has a dark horse pick for a deep playoff run, it would be Atlanta. And it makes sense. They brought, they brought in Alicia Gray. Um, everybody saw what Ryan Howard did last year. And then you have Cheyenne Parker back from um, her pregnancy and her birth. Nas Hillman, hopefully ready to take a step. I'd honestly really like to see that. I think with the with the talent that they've got, that they barely missed the playoff spot last year. So the expectations are there. The the expectations are high. Now, with a younger team, while you have veterans on it, that's what see, that's the thing. I think I keep thinking of Atlanta as a younger team just because they have rookies and second year players, but they have Cheyenne Parker, who learned in a 
in a quality environment and then moved on to kind of become the, if not the centerpiece, then one of the franchise faces in Atlanta. Yeah. You have Monique Billings and you have Alicia Gray, who's a veteran in this league too, as well as Nia Coffey. So I think with Tanisha Wright putting all those things together, it's easy to say Atlanta is just like a dark horse, deep playoff run team. So surprising teams out of that mix. The Sparks, for sure. I think the Sparks are in there, even though they, you know, you you want to see where where, Jams, where Jasmine Thomas stands as the season starts coming off that ACL injury. And they lost Brittany Sykes, which I said was just somebody that they had to keep. But they brought in Corner 3Z, mm-hmm. of Silence. And I know, and then you, it, I think it's just there's, when you have those players and Neka and Shanae okay, there's promise. If not outright success, there's promise. And then Minnesota. Minnesota is going to have to answer questions about, but you know, Cheryl Reed, bro, just always just has fucking rabbit's foot, horseshoe, chicken bones, whatever. Getting Diamond Miller is not fair. <laughs> you know, Getting Diamond Miller in Minnesota is just unfair. And Dorka Juhas, who knows how much she'll play, but they've got her, you know? Yeah. You know, I was talking to Cheryl Reeve this past weekend, and one thing she told me about Nafisa is that she went from being like a respectable shooter to now she is a shooter. Like she felt she feels really confident in Nafisa Collier become like returning to that form where like from the first two years she was in this league from beyond the arc. And that to me, that is fascinating. Um, because I think it's it has to open up things for Diamond Miller, who whose three point shot just kind of fell off a little bit from her sophomore year to where she was this past year at Maryland. But man, I'm not sure. I'm, I don't know. Even like Cheryl was saying, it's like, you know, we're like, this is, we're going to be like kind of retooling here a little bit, you know, like we're, we lost Sill, and, you know, I think they are kind of looking towards the future a little bit. And I think it's just really interesting to, to have that perspective. I mean, I think that's a, to have that type of self-awareness that, I think it's just so important when you are like the president of basketball operations to have, I mean, I can't, I mean, there's so many examples we could point to of someone not having that type of self-awareness, you know, like from across all sports, you know, like that teams that feel like they're, they get a taste of winning and they want to continue it. And there's like a pressure to continue it. Like, yeah, we've seen that before. And I think Minnesota kind of, I think keeping their options open a little bit, I think makes a lot of sense. Tiffany Mitchell, by the way, looked freaking amazing the other night. I mean, look, I know it's like the second, like the, you know, you're not playing against like this guy's best version of itself, but man, Tiffany Mitchell making that contract look pretty good after we've seen people kind of rag on her a little bit. Um, You know, and again, the stats would back up people being critical, but at the same time, she looked really freaking good for the Minnesota. So maybe you're right, Chris. Am I talking myself into it as we speak? I don't know. But um, I, I think Minnesota probably finishes like closer to 10th this year, personally. I I just I look at that assortment and, I mean, they, they barely missed the playoffs last year. Ariel Powers went like, got pissed off and went supernova for like a month and a half. But, it, you know, it wasn't enough. But you still have Nafisa coming back. Kayla McBride's playing, right? Kayla McBride, yes. Yeah, yeah, she played in Toronto. Ariel Powers, uh, Diamond Miller. 
if my favorite, absolute favorite bench player in the world, Damaris Dantas, comes <laughs> back. I know she's on a training camp contract, but they, I just I love what she can do. I think it's I think it's difficult, but I think Minnesota's that team that could just put together, and it's it's almost like you want to say in a twelve team league, even it's it's an assortment of players. It's or an island of an island of, of not quite misfit toys, but I just I trust Cheryl Reeve to make it tough on opponents. I just trust her to do that. And you still have some top end talent with the Beast of Collier, Kayla McBride. And even yeah. like Tiffany Mitchell's gonna be 28 this year. I remember something a while back that said like 26, 27, 28 is the prime age for athletes across all sports. Like that's when they put it together and that's when they're at their peak. And her shooting percentage went up the last two years, even though she got a lot, like, a few, a little bit less run in Indiana. Her shooting percentage went from like 30s and mid 30s to above 40 percent. Like you said, if she taps into that with Minnesota, the way she did in that playoff game or that preseason game in Toronto, you got That's something cooking. Yeah, and again, even the teams that I don't feel good about, like they have talent. Like Seattle, who I think everyone has put at either 11 or 12 in their power rankings, which, by the way, content creators, stop creating power rankings. You're shooting yourself in the foot with a goddamn <laughs> shotgun. What are we doing? Learn from this. Anyway, um, you know, Seattle, I mean, they have Jewel Lloyd, Mercedes, Russell, Ezzy Megmagor. I'm higher on Jordan Hurston than I think some other people are, and there were eight teams that passed on her, right? So maybe they're not also as high on her. Like, man, I really do think, like, Seattle could... Just like I don't think they're gonna win a lot of games, but they're on any given night, they're gonna come out and punch a team in the mouth. That's how I feel about like all these teams, even Indiana. Indiana, man, like Aaliyah Boston getting the treatment that she got from the sky in that first preseason game that they played, where they had like a one-on-one with Aaliyah had the ball backing down Elizabeth Williams and then having Rebecca Gardner come on the help side, like. Like to give the rookie that treatment already immediately yeah, you're doubling a rookie exactly man like it's i i mean honestly if you just look at how much she can open up the floor for someone like Kelsey Mitchell for i mean i have my questions about indiana for sure but i am just intrigued by them and even victoria vivians the other day someone who i was a little bit surprised that they got she got the two year contract and i'm glad that yeah, i'm happy when any wnba player gets their money but like she looked actually pretty solid too like i feel pretty great about all these teams in terms of just like winning on one given night in the regular season you know when you catch a team lacking a little bit that's when it's going to get tough and i think going taking this back to the sky for a second like i still think that's also a team that's going to surprise some people and they just have to, a lot of things have to go right to like, you know, I think Alana Smith, who, you know, I was a little bit higher on when the sky got her on the, she's had some up and down days shooting the ball. Like if she finds her shot, if Morgan Birch continues to be the player that we've seen so far, like, and there's some, I actually, I got something coming, so I'm going to hold off on that, but uh, uh, there's some things, uh, there's some things that, uh, the, the pieces that this guy have put together here, I mean, they're going to surprise some people too. So, yeah. So should we go on to like our final prediction for the sky here? Or do you have any other notes on the other teams? Um, in my in my list of tiers, I put Seattle as long season. It's gonna. I, I do think it's gonna be a long season for them. Sure. Um, 
have fun when you can, which is kind of like, you know, you might be looking at 16 wins. I have Indiana there, which is an upgrade. It's an upgrade for their fans. It's an upgrade for the, the myriad South Carolina fans who are now Indiana Fever fans because um, also I really want to see Destiny Hudson get on a roster again this uh. year. That was a, that was a fucking shame. Yeah. Um, and then I have Phoenix and Dallas in that same tier of have fun when you can for kind of the opposite reason. Um, Brittany Grind is going to come back and I think Phoenix is going to have to live on those vibes of, of BG being back in the league because I don't know exactly where they're going to fall. I think the Sophie Cunningham contract taking her over somebody else was, was an error. What? Really? I mean, again, I know that how you feel about Sophie and a lot of... yeah. And and there's going to be some bias there for sure, but I think she, <laughs> I'll, I'll admit it, but yeah. I don't think she's a player at her level of skill that you put that kind of money behind for that term. I think that there's players who could do what she does and more. If they weren't available in free agency, that you don't put your, you don't bank your franchise on Sophie Cunningham. Considering the age of DT, Skylar Diggins being a free agent next year. Mm-hmm. Still Skylar Diggins-Smith. She's still got a lot in the tank. And I think you put your money behind her rather than Sophie. And now you're facing the question of what you do next year. And I mean, Skylar, Skylar's not Larry Brown, but she's got some, she's got some nomad in her. <laughs> so I think she was going to be looking other places of, um, anywhere. But I think you still make the overture. And you prepare for that this year by not giving the the, the bread to Sophie. I, yeah, you know, I and I get that too. I mean, Sophie was damn near 50, 40, 90 though last year. You know, like she at the tail end of the year when DT got hurt and Skylar Diggins Smith was out for a little bit as well. I mean, we saw Sophie Cunningham again. I totally understand where fans are going to have their reservations regarding the place of trans athletes. Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I've got a lot more to say on that, but just in terms of the season preview here, I mean, Sophie Cunningham really showed that she can be like, honestly, like, I don't know if like an elite score is the right word, but like she's someone that's just like right underneath that where I think paying her for this upcoming season, if you're going to try to maximize Brittany Griner being back on the floor, again, hopefully we see Diana Taurasi play an entire season, which is a big if. Um, just what she was able to show last year, if she's able to take that, bottle it, and being able to play alongside Diana Taurasi, like, I kind of like that move, quite honestly. And even me, even shooting, like, 40% on 6.33 point attempts last year, like, I feel like that's a player you probably have to retain. And I don't really know who the backup options necessarily were going to be if you were to let her go into the open market. But I get what your hesitancy is, too. Like, I don't think Phoenix is... I think you have them in the right spot, man. I don't think they're going to be as good as everyone is making them out to be. It's a lot to put on Diana Taurasi and her plus 40 at this point and Brittany Griner, who didn't touch a basketball for 10 months. I mean, I, I would love to see Brittany Griner come back with the same force that she had before. And I'm rooting for it. I mean, I know I'm I'm going to be in tears when I see her at Wintrust for the first time, but there's a lot of questions on that roster. And I think even with Mariah, just giving Mariah Jefferson the money that she got, even though she earned it, it's just like, it's also a big question mark for getting that contract on a team that she didn't play for last year in a new system. You know, 
I think you have him. I have, I think you have Phoenix put in the right spot here, man. And like, I I hate to quibble over money because it's it shouldn't necessarily be the first thing that you talk about. But if you if you're talking about value, I think the Mariah Jefferson deal, which was slightly less than Sophie Cunningham's deal, was a better call than the Sophie deal, just because you know, 44, 40, and 87 and a half, nothing to sneeze at. But on just under 13 points, like, you know, it's cool. For the old, the the closest comparison that I can remember is when Malcolm Brogdon did that, mm. scoring around the same number of points. But Malcolm Brogdon bought you elite level perimeter defense. Sophie Cunningham is not going to exactly do that. So that's if you have that player who is going to be a great shooter, but not be the number one option in your offense. They have to have something else to their game, like Rebecca Gardner, solid shooter, really good at the rim, elite perimeter defender. Yeah, you know, and she's not going to be your number one scoring option. So that's why this guy were like, we're going to give Rebecca Gardner a hundred thousand dollars. I just, you know, off the court, of course, it's fuck Sophie Cunningham. On the court, it's just like, what does she add to the team in terms of our salary cap? And I think that's why just the Mariah Jefferson deal. Is, is a better idea. Like she's earned that three-year deal, but it's also like you, you pay Sophie Cunningham, you have a player on the team who's going to have their opinions off the court that might, they're just not going to fly with a few members of her team. And so you're putting your money behind that person. And that is going to affect what you can do in the future. Like Phoenix was a championship contending team two, three seasons ago. And now there's a lot of question marks, I think for them going forward. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they also now get to pick all of these players that are getting that were dropped over the last couple of days too, man. I mean, that's oh also true. God, it's crazy. Like, I think Phoenix should definitely pick up uh, Taylor Mikesell, who played for Ohio State last year. I mean, she shot over forty percent, or no, she shot like no, I think it's thirty-seven point eight percent from deep on like over seven attempts. Like that shit. Oh, whoa, dude, that's disgusting. Did you see? Did you see what I just? Oh, the news just broke. Um, just yeah, break? man. Um, this guy just waved Kiana Trailer and Fiona Fitzgerald. Um, I oh. did. I did not expect Kiana to be waved. I thought she did enough. That's really interesting. I'm I'm surprised by that too. I think it was coming down to like her and Morgan Birch, if anybody. And oh, I mean, Robin Parks didn't get waved though. Like I thought, Kiana would have been someone that maybe edged her out but hey robin parks also put on a fucking shooting clinic the other day so absolutely congrats to her i thought like there's some players that come in just being for training camp bodies you know and right and i i didn't know where robin stood at that point for her to have the performance she did maybe that showed james wade something more even like i don't know that that i'm just actually just shocked right now about kayana i really thought she did enough to make this roster it was a really, it was, it was a very visible game, you know, that no, no tongue in cheek there. I know it wasn't on TV, but it was just a very visible game for her in Toronto. And I know Steven um, had a, a clip breakdown of what she was doing, how she was able to score in three different areas in the half court. I like her three point shot a lot. Like she is not, hesitant, she was not hesitant about letting it fly, whether she was covered 
You know, just however much room she had, she was shooting. And I liked having, I liked what she could do on the team, you know, with Marina Mabry and with the other guards that they have. And that's why we're here, I guess. Yeah, man, it sucks. I think if I had to guess, and again, obviously you guys know I haven't talked to anyone (laughs) because we're just finding this out now. They probably are going to keep, if I had to guess, Christina Nigue just to have bodies on May 7th or on May 19th for when the season opener is just because again, we, we don't know much about Isabel Harrison's situation. Um, Elizabeth Williams is back at practice, cleared con- like concussion protocol. So she's back. But like, if I had a guess, maybe it's like they were keeping Christina Nigue over someone like a long-term player, like Kayana trailer. Um, that's too bad. I really thought that she looked like a WNBA player in camp came in with just a bunch of fire. I know we're, I want to get back to the season and everything, but I'm I'm just a little surprised, not going to lie, but good for the other players that have made their case in training camp. It's a absolute dream to be able to be on a WNBA roster. So congrats. Yeah. To all those players that are on right now. Um, we've kind of get where we are at with the, like the regular season. How far do you think this team can make a postseason run? The sky? Yeah. Do you think, do you see, I mean, if they make the playoffs, let's say they get fifth, how far do you see them going in the playoffs? Based on what we see on day one without, I mean, again, this is just for us to get in trouble. (laughs) Uh, It's funny because this team, I think, would have flourished in the one and done playoff system just because they have shooters and um, players who get hot at the right time or just can like fast break you to death. And really implement a like a fast breaking defensive kind of game plan. Yeah. Over a three game series, it's a little bit, I think it would be a little bit tougher because they'll have some size deficiency still. It's like Izzy Harris and Elizabeth Williams in the front court. I think if you have players of the same height who are bigger, stronger, then you, they can pound you down low. Like Las Vegas could pound them down low. Um, even even Washington, I think, would give them a tough time with EDD and, like, high post, Shakira Austin, low post, Maisha Hines-Allen, and then you have shooters on the perimeter. Um, so I see them as, I think, not a, they're not, a, they're not a, a conference finalist, but I think they make the second round without too much trouble. It's, it's going to depend somewhat on matchups. And even, even as I know we're talking about the first day, it's still going to depend on who's healthy at the end of the season. Of course. Yeah. Like, I could see them beating Atlanta. I could see them beating Connecticut. Um, you know, Dallas, if they make it, I could see them even beating Minnesota, who I've talked so glowingly about. But I think um, our top-tier teams are going to give them some problems. And it's going to depend a lot on where they finish because you've got games against Indiana that even as as improved as Indiana is, you have to win those games. Games against Dallas, you got to win those games. Games against Seattle, you got to win those games. Yeah, man, I'm kind of with you on that. I do think it's more, I think I could see them winning a first round matchup and I don't really think that they could beat the top three teams in the W in a five game series. I think that would be really difficult and not that I don't think the team is talented. It's just that this is a really deep fucking league, man. Like, I, I see them if they finish like fifth and they face like the sixth team, 
in the league in a three game series. Like I actually would feel pretty confident having a coach who has been through this before and like who's been doubted before in these moments to push back and be able to win out that series with potentially the best player on the court with Kalia Copper. I think we got to keep that in mind too. When we talk about the playoffs, it's like when you have the best player on the floor in the last four minutes of the game, I feel much better about that team than I do about any other team that's just built more on the strength of its strategy or its depth, quite honestly. So beating the other teams in the league, like beating Vegas, New York, and Washington, man, I don't see that one as much. And guess what? You know, we all know how this works. They're recording this right now. You know, they'll use it as motivation. (laughs) Um, If you do it for everything, yeah, man, like that's what's going to happen. And um, they should feel this way. Again, you shouldn't go into the season thinking you're not going to going to win. And especially with, with how like these are this, the stakes are fucking high right now for this guy, man. Like no matter what the future in terms of like, (laughs) like we look at these teams that, um, that have draft capital. I mean, the sky are just not one of them. And Maybe 2025, like if Dallas, who I'm just not as high on this year, like I really don't get the infatuation with them. Um, and maybe they end up proving me wrong too. If Tierra McCowan's now hitting threes in the preseason game, that maybe that changes their spacing. I mean, boy, that that is very interesting. But at the same time, like, you know, maybe Dallas flounders a little bit and they end up being worse in the sky in that 2025 pick they don't end up swapping picks at the sky. Maybe not that the whole draft pick thing matters as much, but I still think when it comes to draft capital and everything, like, and you don't know what's going to happen with Kalia copper after this season. It's like, there's an urgency to win still. And there are question marks. So like, um, to me, a successful season would be finishing in the top four or top five, convincing Kata stay. And I don't know, operate under the, ideology that james is going under right now of like hey we saw players go to other markets to go play with other great players um you know i do think some of the circumstances around that are different but like between what new york and las vegas has versus what chicago has in terms of like facilities resources all that fun stuff but i think this guy again if we're just focusing what's on the court right now um i do think that chicago can punch someone in the mouth in the first round and Potentially, yeah, go to the semifinals, man. It wouldn't surprise me if that would be. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. So, should we do some awards? Oh, let me let me backtrack a bit and say, if we're talking, I don't know why I thought there was still going to be thirty six games this year. It's going to be forty. So, yeah, even more of a consideration for the teams we talked about. Um, I would put the sky firmly at five or six and have them winning, being twenty and twenty, maybe twenty two and eighteen. But still, I think that they're a first-round victory, semifinals, it would be tough. It would be tough for them to win out in the semifinals. Yeah. Um, awards, though, man. Woo. It's, you know, <laughs> most valuable player, I think, could come down to just with, the, with those two super teams, right? You have on New York the possibility for just players to – go nuts but you have to share the ball right like when when other super teams got together 
they elevated each other's play. Like we saw players just become great players become like absolute supernovas. But I think it's it's hard for me to see who right now would step out into the limelight, just like out front, in at the best on this New York team. Like Brianna Stewart's a popular option because she's won MVP before. She's coming back from injury. She went to the place she wanted to go. They were able to, they were savvy and brought her in. But like, is she going to be better over the long haul than John Quell Jones? Is Sabrina Ionescu going to like triple double her way all the way to the season with those two players? You know, like, could she score like 16 and average 10 and 11? And then can you say she's not the MVP if she averages a triple double for a whole season or something close? That's why it makes it difficult. Man, I think this is this was the easiest one for me. And really, I think that Elena Deladon is the clear cut favorite to win the MVP this year. If the Mystics finish in the top three, the other nominees, I guess, or the other people that could be up for this award are all going to be contending against their teammates, right? Like, I, I have a hard time seeing like Asia Wilson having the exact same case she did last year because, again, you're going to have some minutes alleviation from Candice, from, again, Kia Stokes. Like, I don't think they're going to run Asia Wilson into the ground the same way that they did last year out of necessity and the same thing goes with brianna stewart and john quell jones like i do think that t- roster is so deep they're still trying to develop hanju like they're trying to they want to be healthy in august and september those you want to be peaking at that at those points and we saw with the sky last year they all the starters all averaged north of 10 points per game but when you looked at the awards last year they got kind of left out outside of Candace Parker being on the all WNBA first team. So when we eliminate the, the Liberty and aces, there is Elena Deladon, a recognizable name, someone whose usage rate is going to be fucking as high as it ever might be a man. Like it wouldn't surprise me. And if the mystics end up in third and they really are the team that a lot of people have come to realize that they, I think are probably most likely going to be like, Elena Deladon just seems like the most obvious choice to me. Unless, again, unless someone, one of these two teams between the Aces and Liberty, someone between like Stewie, John Quell, and Asia just go fucking bonkers and they separate themselves within their own teams. But that to me, like, it's hard to bet against EDD. If I had money, and I would bet on Elena Deladon to win MVP this year. You know, it's funny to me. I put, um, in my in my listing because I was just like I don't know who could do this like there's a lot of people who I think are changes of scenery and just the possibility to open up their games in ways that we haven't been able to see yet like I put Jewel Lloyd in there just because Seattle's going to be so depressed that she's going to have a chance to, to score a lot she's going to be the number one scoring option no matter what unless like she gets out unless she gets hurt early on you know and you don't want to see that happen I'm not trying to put any hex on it, but I think Jewel Lloyd will have that room to operate, and we know how good of a shooter she is. I think Elena she's lost, is... though. I feel like she's going to get lost in the narratives. You know, I think that's what this ends up coming down to. Like this is such a narrative-based award where, like, I will. I mean, Jewel Lloyd has the MVP talent, and that's also when I come from this standpoint of like 
who I think is going to win MVP or any of these awards. I'm also thinking about how the media views this shit. And, uh, and that's kind of where I'm at, man. Like I, even like all WNBA first team, I don't even know if the four people or the five people that I picked are necessarily going to be the ones that are the top five players in the WNBA this season. But I know again, like how narrative based all this is. And when it comes down to it, like, some people are going to be looking at like the the sparkle of a New York and Las Vegas and maybe leave after Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart are gone from Seattle. They're not going to be looking at the diamond that fucking Jewel Lloyd is. It's like one of the best two-way talents we have. So that's kind of where I'm just saying like that's where I come from with it. But Jewel Lloyd is an MVP level talent for sure. That's the thing about it. I think there's a lot of candidates, and you're right about it being a narrative-driven award. Like if if like Las Vegas wins the finals, or if they sorry if they if they're the clear-cut favorite going into the playoffs, I think that they're going to have MVP candidate. Like Asia Wilson's going to be in there, but there's also like I put Chelsea Plum and Kelsey Chelsea, Kelsey Plum and Chelsea Gray in a slash because <laughs> like either of them could have an absolutely standout season too. Like. I know it's there for Elena, but I'm just, that's why I didn't have Washington in my top tier because oh. I don't necessarily know if they could be that team. And I think for Elena to win it, they have to finish one or two. It's it's just, I don't know, it's going to shake out weird. You're right. MVP is, MVP is a stupid award. Nobody can decide on what it actually means. Uh, it, just say like these players were great. Just have all all WNBA first team and leave it at that. I think would be great. Man, Rookie of the year though. Ooh. Okay, Rookie well, of the year though. <laughs> I think it is an easy one for me. Like I do think it is going to be Aaliyah Boston. I do think that when you look at her year, like her stats from her senior year, that are so misleading given how teams covered her in college. To what she's going to do this year, an Indiana team that wants to see how her and Alyssa Smith develop together see how they fit next to each other um i, I think Aaliyah boston's gonna win this one and i love diamond miller i think that she mean it wouldn't surprise me if she ended up having the best career out of this draft class just because of how talented she is and how crazy things can go in this league but at the same time it's just like i think it's Aaliyah boston and then you have right underneath her is going to be the ones like the diamond millers and the maddie segrists that are going to challenge her I'm just going to say this, though, because I don't want this to be a completely boring take. Um, watch out for Jordan Hurston. Just watch out. If she ends up pushing Aaliyah Boston, I do think that, again, from a narrative standpoint, it's going to be some people pushing for that and just rooting for the underdog. And that's what Jordan Hurston is at this in this moment right now after getting passed on by multiple WNBA teams. So where are you at with Rookie of the Year? I mean... I know that Aaliyah Boston's the boring answer, but it does, to me, seem like the one that seems the most obvious given we're talking about one of the best college players of the last 20 years. I think Aaliyah Boston's the clear-cut favorite. Um, this came up on CHGO. If anybody who's listening now is listening then, because there's a segment um, where we give uh, betting picks. <laughs> and I know, and I noticed. W- one, for, as an aside, as all that we've talked about, we've laid out. This is going to be a this could be a very profitable season for anybody who does bet on WNBA because 
the main sports books, they don't know how to handicap women's sports. Anybody could win on any given night. And I'm sure that there's a ton of players, even who has, even as players have gotten cut left and right, that they don't know about. So if you want to look into those and figure out, you know, who's going to get those five rebounds a night or four assists or something and do ridiculous parlays and win yourself some money, do that. Uh, but to that point, Aaliyah Boston was like a plus 175 favorite for the award. And Diamond Miller was at something ridiculous, like plus three or 400. And I still think that she could shine very much on this Minnesota team. It's not like she's going to be the number two or number three necessarily, but with her skill set, with her size, with her talent, I think that she could be rookie of the year for sure. Even as Aaliyah is playing in Indiana, even as they've kind of cleared the way for her with their um, with their cuts, I think Aaliyah could just shine. Like, uh, or I think I think Diamond Miller could just really shine, really, yeah. really, really shine, even above the other rookies that we've talked about. And I don't think she's rookie of the year, but I think she's gonna like take it to the final month. And this always comes down to raw stats too, right? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Diamond. One rediscovers that shot that that three point shot that we've seen her make. Like it, it looks crisp coming out of her hands. Just the ball hasn't gone in the way that it did a couple years ago. So, yeah, I think I mean she's so explosive. She's going to be a human highlight reel this season. But yeah, I, I think I'm. I think we're we're both in the same place. Um, how about defensive player of the year? I mean, do you have uh, this one? To me, I found to be the hardest one. Because I think you can go in so many different directions, but what do you had for uh, defensive player of the year? You know, you're right. You, there's a lot of different directions you could go. Um, you have Brittany Sykes on Washington now, and I think she's going to make life. Of, uh, you like you have Brittany Sykes. Elena Deladon can kind of play free safety along with some other players on their team, and you still have Shakira Austin guarding the paint too. Um. Uh, BG's back in the league. You know, she's always a candidate. Uh, we, we know what Brianna Stewart can do defensively. But this is the one time that I'm going to be an absolute homer and say, second year Rebecca Gardner takes that. What? Well, she's going to be picking pockets all year long. Deadass, Rebecca Gardner is going to average five steals a game, and she's going to be absolutely undeniable. It's going to be Rebecca Gardner DPOY. You heard it. Wow. That look, Rebecca Gardner is one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. I wonder if she's going to get enough playing time. You know, they invested a lot in Courtney Williams this year, and I think it's just going to be harder for her. I honestly think that she's more of like a top three, six woman of the year candidate for me. Like, I do think, I think she has a really good chance at winning that award. But just to go back to DPOI for a second, I love, you know what, man? I love your enthusiasm. I was in a bad mood heading into this. You're just lifting me up right now. I think it's so tough. Like I want part of me wants to say Alyssa Thomas, but I don't know if she, because I think when we look at defensive player of the year, it's always going to be a center. It's always going to be the the player that wipes out as many shots at the rim. Part of me was thinking like Alyssa Thomas. Um, Part of me was also kind of leaning towards like Brianna Stewart after being again, just didn't get any of the honors last year from a single player perspective, you know, after you know Asia just won Defensive Player of the Year and MVP last year, like as, as again narrative standpoint, I wonder if it ends up being Stewie again. I am going to make the case though 
for a different Sky player, Chris, and that is Elizabeth Williams. Ooh! If the Sky end up being like a top four, top three defensive team in the league this year, because I do think that all of their identity is rooted on that end of the floor, I do wonder if that is the case, if Elizabeth Williams is probably going to be the one that ends up being the face of it. And I wrote for the next today, um, I guess, I mean, I wrote this story before media day. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I haven't revisited that one in a bit, but I have Elizabeth Williams for that story as the X factor for this upcoming season for this guy. And it, because of the way that she's able, like the amount of ground she's able to cover on this team and, just given that, like, again, since we don't know the the situation with Isabel Harrison about where she's at injury-wise, like, I think Elizabeth Williams' role on this team just became even more important. And one thing that I feel like she's always, like, she's been slept on for so long. And here's a fun stat. Elizabeth Williams has the third highest block rate in WNBA history of players who have averaged 25 minutes per game or more for their careers. Like that is someone, she wipes out shots. Obviously like, you know, she's more of a defensive minded player than she is offensive. But like, if she's able to be that anchor of the back line and you have Cobb, Marina Mabry and Courtney Williams and Rebecca Gardner, just hounding people on the perimeter, allowing them to play with the freedom that they might not have, if they didn't have such a rock solid player manning the back line like that. I just think that there's ways to talk yourself into Elizabeth Williams. And again, it's hard from a narrative standpoint when we're talking about someone that some people that just come in and vote for these awards that I don't mean to be mean, but just haven't earned it or watch all the tape necessarily all the time, that they're going to gravitate towards like the bigger names. But if you told me that Elizabeth Williams ends up winning this award, it just wouldn't surprise me all that much given her history as an elite defensive playmaker. Just I'm throwing it out there. It's a good argument. It's a really good argument. I think it's, I I remember that you say this and I had forgotten it at the outset because I think that um, I I know how much you put into that. I mean, that's a good, that's a good statistic. That means that she's around the ball. She's going to, I think that there's players who can get blocks, but they're not necessarily going to stay in front of the ball. Mm -hmm. That means that she's in front of the ball between the player and the rim. And she's going to get vertical. And so I think the skies have more success if they prevent the ball from getting to the paint. So if Elizabeth Williams is up for DPOY, it's it's almost like it's not a catch-22, but it's if the ball gets to the paint, she might have blocks, but their point, their points allowed might be higher because they're letting the ball get to the paint. And she's not going to be on for 35 minutes a game. If they succeed and they protect the paint and they just keep the ball around the perimeter then their ppg their ppg allowed is lower but she's probably not getting in there for dpoi except for like the the people who like you are studying the actual statistics and advanced statistics and seeing oh this is what effect she's having on the defense so i think it comes down to voting and you know who's putting who's going into the stats and who's just using the eye test and this is from somebody who has historically not had enough money to pay for the advanced statistics and has to use the eye test a lot. Hey, uh, shout out to the next for paying for Synergy, man, because I ain't paying for shit right now. Hell no. <laughs> Fuck no. Um, 
Yeah, so I'm I, look, I think my heart says Elizabeth Williams, but my brain's telling me that it's going to go the other way too. And I feel like, I mean, we're both in the same page there. Um, who did you have for most improved player? Oh man, like this one was tough for me because there's, I only wrote down three names, but there were probably like six who could go yeah. in there. Like I didn't put Melissa Smith down because she's going to be on this Indiana team with a lot of, it might no, no, a lot of there's going to be a lot of shit going on. So, yeah. like Victoria Vivians could be in there if she finds that potential that we talked about. But my top three are Veronica Burton in Dallas because I think we saw we, what she can accomplish. It would really depend on her scoring output, and some of that was homerism, like getting to see her at Northwestern and then getting to see her mature in Dallas. Um, Nas Hillman in Atlanta. There's a there's a possibility for her to take a step, even behind the players we talked about as well. But I think it's there. Yeah. Um, and I I put finally I I put my vote in for Mariah Jefferson because she's going to have the opportunity in Phoenix, and she showed I think she was very close in Minnesota, and I think that she just it, it's going to be some play where they're going to say hey you know give a Basically, just like give Mo the ball. Like even with Skylar Diggins Smith, there's gonna be some moments where it's like, yo, Mo, put in work. Like she's gonna have the chance to average 15. That's and true. I think that's good enough for most improved player of the year. Dana Evans, man. When we, I think when we see the spike from what her scoring output was from last year, again, just the low minutes, again, thinking about narratives right now, right? And see what I think she's gonna put up this year. The game is just slowed down for Dana Evans. And while I think all those players that you named, I totally get, you know, especially if Nas is able to get that jumper and able to stay on the floor a little bit more where opponents have to respect her spacing. And I think we did even see from Athletes Unlimited, she's showed that off lightly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's really intriguing. I mean, I think Veronica Burton also just has to be more of an offensive presence as well, but... I think it's Dana, man. I think Dana is about to have a really solid year for this guy. And I know that, look, Marina Mabry, Courtney Williams, Rebecca Gardner, I mean, those are players that are going to eat up some of those minutes. But Dana's ready, and I think she's earned a good chunk of playing time. I, I can't bet against Dana Evans, man. I just talking with her in camp more and more, I'm like, this person's ready for the next step and the game just looks slower. And if she's able to improve as a facilitator too, and we've seen that already, like the pocket passes that she's had, I'm like, you weren't making those with the same confidence last year. You know, it's like, I don't even want to sound like a Homer, you know, I really don't because I don't root for this team. I'm not a fan of the team, but like I try to separate myself as a reporter. That's more, more around this team than I am about any other one. Even, even as I challenge myself, I think it's Dana Evans. I think it's Dana Evans. I love it. I know that our listeners love it. Um, and I legitimately do love it. I think that it's just, it's there for her. It's there. I'm, I'm just, I want to see what kind of ticks she gets. That's my only consideration. Cause we spent all yeah. these years with Ruthie watching her on the bench and just wanting her to get more run and it didn't come to fruition. And then, you know, we, we saw with Dana 
and just kind of had to wait for wait for and now she she's got the opportunity for sure like the opportunity is there but it's like i want to see it come to fruition um we we got that we got that taste game one last year and then we didn't get the same thing so if we get something like that 20 minutes a night for dana on a regular on a fairly regular basis then yeah she's up for mip no question but i want to see it come through I think there's a lot of people in that same boat and they picked up her option. So we'll see what happens um, for 2024. I mean, they picked up her option. So they got to be seeing something in Dana and I think it's coming, but how about coach of the year? Do you have any strong feelings about coach of the year? Cause I think this one's actually really difficult, but I think based on my thinking of this season, you probably could guess who I'm going to pick. Oh uh, man. Ooh, that's a tough one too. Part of me almost, part of me almost wants to say Tanisha Wright again. <laughs> I think she it... probably could be the front runner, man, because based on the, again narrative talks of like, oh, she didn't win it last year. I think you're right. Sorry to interrupt, but I think you're right on. No, that that's the thing. I was like, I had to go back and check because the way that the way that um, I know there was the discussion at the end of the year, and it was rightly so. Like just because Atlanta didn't make the playoffs. Doesn't mean she wasn't coach of the year. I thought she was coach of the year. Um, if Atlanta takes the next step, you know, as silly as it is for them to be like maybe two games better, but it will at least be a different team. It's not like, oh, this is the exact same team from last year and she didn't win. I think she wins coach of the year because I think the I think the dreamer are right there. I think that's fair, man. I do think that Eric, Coach T, the young baby coach T. Could win this if, again if the Mystics finish third. Maybe they upset the Aces and Liberty a couple times in the regular season, and that narrative runs like you know runs away with itself. I do think that Coach T is. I, th- I believe in Eric, man. He's a really smart dude. Seems really even keel, and also again has that self awareness about his whole situation where people are going to be comparing him to his dad. I mean. Go look, go back and listen to all these interviews that he's done on like media day and everything. It's like they're always asking him about like how do you solidify yourself as the coach when you have your dad, you know, in the rearview mirror almost of like what his legacy was in Washington. So I think Eric could definitely win this award. I also think Tanisha could as well. Before we go to all WNBA, I'm curious. Like, do you think Brittany Griner does come out and win one of these awards, just given how remarkable? The story is of her being able to survive the conditions that she was in over this, you know, over last year. And um, yeah, do you see Brittany Griner winning one of these awards and just again, like coasting on the narrative? And maybe honestly, I hope to see 2021 BG back on the floor this year. But where do you stand with that one? Like, I would love to see Brittany Griner come in and be all all WNBA. It's just, it's hard for me to project her being the the Brittany Griner that we saw like I'm still surprised that she's playing this year I don't have her mindset I don't have her temperament I'm not a professional athlete but going through what she did I I've told so many people I would have just like slept for a year probably and just when I wasn't sleeping I would have walked around the neighborhood and just breathed you know like maybe go on vacation somewhere or or just not you know like I would have just existed in open air for 365 days because I didn't have the chance to do that for that long. If most, 
most approved doesn't make sense because she wasn't playing last year. Uh, MVP would be a stretch unless Phoenix just outshines all expectations. Yeah. So DPO, I, I said DPOY, she's a consideration for it because she just always is. And, you know, maybe Phoenix just allows like an absurdly low number of points per game. But that's the only one I see up for other than all WNBA. I think and so. That, that's a stretch for me too. Yeah. No, I, I think I'm with you on that. Again, if she wins MVP though, and because of like, again, like the narratives around all this and wanting to support her, which the spirit of that, I completely agree with. Um, probably just like for the other players though, I probably wouldn't love that as much if after they have an MVP season, but yeah, no, I think, I think I'm with you on that. I think DPOY is just so wide open right now. And, um, Again, I just don't think voters are going to like appreciate what like someone like Ezie Megagor is going to be doing this season. So, um, all right, let's go to actually we didn't do six women of the year. Let's just quickly do that. Um, do you have like a, a gut feeling six women of the year? Who do you think it is? Um, Marine Johannes would be like uh, I think a good sleeper pick. Ooh. She's, she's not going to be a starter for the Liberty, but people are going to see her a lot. She has the skill to do it. She has the skill to score and pass. And I know scoring really affects the six women of the year voting, but I think the way that she can both run and play make in an offense, you know, with the attention that she's going to have somebody on the floor with her at any given time. And I still think that she could like easily put up 12 or 13 points in that New York Liberty offense. So I say Maureen Johannes. Okay, I love that pick. She wasn't someone that I had in mind for this just because I wonder how much she's going to, you know, what her overseas schedule of France is going to impact her being on the floor as much. But I don't think you need to, I mean, if it, now it's a 40-game season, so I I could see that. Um, I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. I do think Rebecca Gardner is going to win six Women of the Year this year. I, yes! Uh, I don't know. I don't, look, man... I'm not trying to pick as many sky players as I am right now. Like, but I do, <laughs> but I do look around. Like, I'm just, I wonder, like, I would, you know what? I, I think it's like Rebecca, like, I don't know if it's a clear cut winner, but I could even, if Raquana Williams is able to bounce back after being injured last year, like she's someone that's won it multiple times. Um, I just don't think like, there's just a ton of obvious people coming off the bench where I feel really strongly about it. And again, if Chicago is able to prove people wrong in the way that I think they do, like, yeah, I just don't think there's a ton of people that are really sticking out to me when I look around and I think about six women of the year. I mean, Rebecca Allen, maybe she comes off the bench and she's able to like fill that role. But like, I don't know. I do like your Marine Johannes pick so much more than, again, just going through the roster before. I'm like, okay, yeah, I think it's a pretty solid pick. Um, let's do all running a little long. I mean, let's just do all WNBA first team. Shocker, the Skyhook guys ran a little long. Um, <laughs> who do you have for your top five people right Ooh. now? Oh, top five this year. Uh, Asia Wilson is on there. I, ooh, I, you know, I'm since I had Jewel Lloyd as an MVP candidate, I'm going to say Jewel Lloyd. Um, the other, at the other guard position, Kalia Copper. Oh, Kalia Copper. like Kalia Copper is everyday double, like dark horse MVP candidate. So I think she's the other guard spot. Who rounds out that front court? I mean, I think 
I think Candace Parker got it last year in a not the not a, like in the not all NBA Candace Parker season. So it's always possible. Mm-hmm. So Elena Deladon is there too. Just Elena, eighty percent Elena Deladon is, is going to be in that front court. And I think the last is the toughest part because um, you got Camp CP JJ Stewie. Uh, Asia. Yeah. Asia. Did I? I thought I said Asia Wilson in there. Oh, did you say that at the top? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, yes. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, fuck it. I'll go with Chalk and say Stewie, which ah, I, I would love to say JJ, but I, I want to see how things shake out in New York. I'm with you on that, man. Totally with you on that. I think it, for me, it's Sabrina Inescu, Ka, Elena Deladon, Asia Wilson, and Stewie. I mean, again, I think Sabrina is about to have one of her best seasons now that she has a little bit more freedom um, to not just be the like completely hounded on offense in the same way that, you know, when you have Courtney Vandersloot, you have John Quill Jones, Brianna Stewart, like the, the things are going to open up for you. And I do think her shooting numbers are also going to go up. I don't know like how significantly, but I could see her like being a much better shooter than she's shown over the last few years because she's not going to have to take as many contested jumpers and the offense is just going to be a little bit more free-flowing than we've seen. Just there's more talent on it. And yeah, I think I, I think I can talk myself into Sabrina being at like that number one spot. I think Ka, man, is going to be Dark Horse MVP. I think if her, especially if her numbers as a facilitator go up, like I think it's going to be hard to leave her off. She's at least second team for me. And then you already know how I feel about Elena Deladon this year being like the favorite and then the other two speak for themselves. So we're on the same boat there. So do you have like a finals prediction though? Like, is it as simple as Liberty aces? Um, or should I turn on the camera and zoom in on you and see why you have the Atlanta dream and Indiana fever playing at the end of the season? (laughs) (laughs) No, I won't write those two in pen, but I could write them in pencil fairly confidently just because I, I, it's or or at least it's easy to write them in pencil. I could see Las Vegas being upset more than New York, even as much as I've talked about their uh, New York's ball sharing questions, because you still have good playmakers, distributors like Sloot is at the point of her career where she could average six points and be okay with it. Yeah. You know, if she could average six and like six and eight and be fine with that. But I don't know, even looking at those, that second tier of teams that you don't want to play on a given night and even the third, I don't know who would jump up and bite either of those teams other than Washington and Atlanta, maybe the sky or Connecticut. And I don't see right now any of them beating the Liberty or Aces in a five game set. So. Uh, Liberty and Aces finals. I think that's kind of where I want to go too, but I think again, that's where my brain's at, where my heart's at. I kind of think it could be Aces Mystics. Like, I would not be surprised by the continuity factor coming in, and I know one thing that Eric said, the like, I think, was it yesterday? Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was yesterday. Was that the whole continuity thing is overblown when it comes to New York because of the overlap with Stewie, JJ, and Sloot all playing together before. And even like Sandy having some of these players, like she's coached them before as well. I totally get that and everything. But 
God, I just really like what Washington, how, like how they match up against these other two teams. And let's just say, for example, like the Aces or Liberty, they deal with some injuries, right? Like, let's just say, like, I mean, we've already seen at the top of camp with the Liberty. I mean, Salute got her yearly shot to the face um, and it's been out for a little bit. Um, you know, they, I, mean, I think the Liberty are taking things easy with everybody here. But, like, let's just say they do battle with some injuries. I mean, maybe they struggle a little bit without Marine Johannes, like the second unit does. Let's just say, like, something happens where, you know, they have to, like, one of these teams has to face Washington before they get to the finals, like there is a situation where Washington ends up punching them in the face and like for five games and Elena Deladon, if she is the MVP candidate, if she's back to being what I think she said was the strongest she's ever been in her career. Brittany sides takes a step and we already know who Ariel Atkins is. She is a star in this league. Like I'm just thinking about how our team's going to score against Washington. It wouldn't surprise me if the mystics made the finals. I don't think they're going to win the finals necessarily, but again, those three teams, if you told me that they're one of them was going to win the finals this year, I wouldn't bat an eye on it. So I do think it ends up being Liberty aces, just talent wins out in the playoffs. Um, but watch out for Washington, man. Watch out for Washington and saying it since January, this team is going to be really fucking solid. And I would not be surprised if we ended up seeing them not even like I could even see them winning the championship. Like it wouldn't surprise me if, if they're the ones on top. So I don't know, Chris, I mean, any other thoughts before we wrap up the pod here? I mean, is there any other predictions that you have for this upcoming season, whether it's on the court or off of it? I'm curious where your head's at. Off the court, man. Um, just, you know, just moving the all-star game to Las Vegas on a semi-permanent basis isn't an answer. You have to be able to move your all-star game around, yeah. which means that you have to adequately prepare in other cities in a way that we did not see last year. So um, that's one thing. There's going to be so many questions for Kathy, but this, the Erica Hamby, Las Vegas Aces punishment resolution was well, well under the line that it needed to be. It was way under the bar. And... The aces, the aces are kind of where they where they wanted to be, or, or back where they, they back where Sky fans recognize them as, which is public enemy number one. So I think from just a basketball fan perspective, that makes it easy to follow the season. Like you're going to be gunning for these groups; they're going to have your, their face on posters, and you're going to be throwing darts at them. So great <laughs> for everybody like that who um, what Bill Russell called like true fanatics. Um. But man, like two game suspension for the coach, no fine, and the loss of a draft pick. People can talk to me about loss of draft picks all they want, all day long. But we've already seen how little draft picks mean in this league, in a 12 team league with established uh, stars and rotation players. Las Vegas losing a draft pick is negligible. They're gunning for a championship this year, even if they're only like, even if they only have 10 players on the roster. It doesn't. Do anything to them. You find Joe side $500,000 for chartering a plane. And then you suspend the coach two games and take away one draft pick from Las Vegas. And you call that fair when their coach legitimately said, well, we didn't think you were going to get pregnant. Like, that's a problem for us. We're going to trade you now. That's bullshit, bro. Like, that's not right at all. The WNBA has so many questions to answer 
And a lot of them start with how they meet punishment out. I said that they were going to have to get this right, and they got it wrong. And now all the eyes are going to be on them. Eyes of people who don't give a fuck about the WNBA are looking at this like, man, something about that ain't right. Like They're just like, that's not right. And you know what? The eyes that aren't on the WNBA are shrinking in number every day. I talked to some dude at the bar who was already excited. He's a betting person, and that's mainly what his focus was. But he was talking about how he made bread on the LSU-Iowa game um, and the LSU-South Carolina, and the Iowa-South Carolina game in the, in the um, NCAA tournament. He's looking for Kayla Clark to make the league. Friends of mine who are casual NBA fans are excited for players to come in next year. The limelight is growing, and you are fucking it up. Fix it. You've got to fix it. WNBA, WNBA, uh, the WNBA PA already not happy. I'm sure they're going to be pursuing something else no matter what. And I, I know that players and people in the league office can't be happy with that decision either. But you had a chance. You had a golden opportunity. And this is such a tipping point for the league and so many teams right now. Just figure your shit out. Expand already. Do all of these things that have been on your grocery list for months, years. Years. <laughs> yeah. I think we just have to take a moment, though, Chris, and pray for the aces. I mean, that light slap on the wrist might leave a tiny bruise. And, oh, my God, my heart goes out to all of them. For that I mean, how are they going to recover? I mean, it might not go away for a week. I mean, oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, not for the faint of heart, Chris, of watching what happened to the, the massacre of the Las Vegas Aces the other day. Chris, it's fucking insane that, I mean, one pick, dude, I know that they said there wasn't any substantiated evidence about, you know, the Aces for the whole pay-for-play scandal, scheme, whatever you want to call it. Dude, I know Howard Megdahl would not have fucking reported that shit if it wasn't ironclad your reputation matters more than anything when it comes to journalism. And That's I call something that fucking you have to get bullshit. Right. They they also said the way that they framed like uh, the the email that was sent out, the press release was that it was one investigation, and it was actually they they threw in the whole Derek Hamby situation, and then like this one or two sentence little bit at the bottom about you know why. The aces were, you know, were rescinded that 2025 first round pick. It was embarrassing. It is embarrassing. The players, I couldn't even imagine playing for the aces and finding out you're pregnant and being someone that like doesn't believe in abortion, for example, um, or doesn't like or wants to like wants to have a kid, and it just being inconvenient for these fucking teams. And now you know what. Now we know what what's going to happen if. Team is discriminated against pregnant women in this league, who, by the way, keep this league afloat. You know, they're the ones that they carry so much weight on their shoulders, weight that they shouldn't have to carry, but they do it anyway. And it's just so embarrassing, man. It's so embarrassing. And even the response to it today, it was just so disgusting to see how it was all talked about. But you know what? That's for another podcast. If hopefully there's some more that gets reported out to see how the players are reacting to this outside of just the one statement made by the Women's National Players Basketball Association. Like, really hope that that is figured out in a way that like 
the players feel safe. I just I I couldn't imagine what some of these players have, are going through and like the ones that have plans to have kids and now are th- probably second guessing it potentially based on how the league handled this. Um, really embarrassing. But outside of that, man, so glad that we had a chance to ch- hop on the podcast to talk. Um, and thank you all for joining us today for this edition of the show. If you want to reach out to us, you can find us in our link tree, which is in the episode description. And of course, you can always email our mailbag, which is the skyhook mailbag at gmail.com. One more time, that is the skyhook mailbag at gmail.com. You could also do us a big favor by subscribing, rating, and reviewing our show wherever you get your pods. Chris, I believe that's all the business that we have to take care of in terms of this outro. So again, appreciate all of you for listening to the show. Until next time.